It's the Skinny Podcast, only on Local12.com. Now, here's Richard Skinner. Welcome into this edition of the Skinny Podcast. It's the Bengals edition. I'm Richard Skinner, Local12.com, digital sports columnist and editor, along with Jed Demusi, Local12 sports anchor, producer, and reporter, as the Bengals get set for the final regular season game at the Baltimore Ravens, and on all likelihood, the final game for Marvin Lewis. I guess, in, in theory, Jed, they send him out uh, on, a, on at least a high note from Sunday against Detroit, but he still seems like he's fighting this. I mean, he, he doesn't sound like a man who's... In fact, Baltimore writers asked him yesterday on a conference call, on Wednesday on a conference call, rather, um, you know, something along those lines, and he said, well, where am I going? And it, right. it's just been the weirdest few weeks in that regard to me. I, I think this is Inception Part 2, because I think... No, if Bengal fan better hope it's not Groundhog Day part whatever. <laughs> well, I just think that you and other fans have it so ingrained because you've been around this franchise for so long. I, I again, I'm going on. I'm, I'm saying it again. He's not coming back next year, and everything, everything that's informing your decision on things that he says or does is based on the history that you know of this franchise. And that is informing the way you're thinking. It, it, it is, but and I, that's not, but, it's but, not but, wrong. No, no, I, 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 it is, and it, and it, and it's him. At one point, maybe being resigned to the fact of, all right, I'm done with this on my own accord. To, eh, well, you know, maybe I'm not as wanted out there as I think I am, and maybe this isn't as bad a situation. You know, the roster is not awful, and got some guys coming back and another draft and you know I have what a lot of other people don't have I have a quarterback whether you like him or not I have a quarterback right. um uh yeah uh, you know um, maybe I will go fight for 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 this and I that's where I just wonder I I go back to the, the Bengals could have nipped this in the bud very easily and I think I guess I'm disappointed if if they were ready to move on then they maybe should have done this 3 or 4 weeks ago just even saying it saying listen this contract runs through the rest of the year we're going to honor that contract and allow him to coach Especially when you're out of playoff contention at that, that right. three weeks ago. Instead, it, it, it still hangs over. Right, wrong, or indifferent, it still hangs over. And yeah. I, I, nothing is out of the realm of possibility come Monday or Tuesday. If, if you, as I mentioned last week, I've done a couple radio interviews this week. If you put a gun to my head and made me wager my last dollar on it, it would be that, yes, Marvin Lewis is right. not back. But this is also a. I just I wish I could say with one hundred percent certainty that that was the case. No, and and I don't mean to be as brash as to say that he's he can't come back. I don't think he will. But the same thing you're saying about a reason why Marvin may want to come back is the reason. A few weeks ago, we were talking about how attractive this position actually right. is. Right. If you just look at the roster, and that's not the only thing you should look at, or that's not the only thing a coach. Well, but, but, but and, and everybody at. keeps thinking that well, the Bengals don't pay their coach. Yeah, they do. Marvin Lewis made five million dollars a year. That, that's about middle of the pack in the league. It's not like they're the the cheapest paying coaches. So don't don't go there. Don't think that if you're out there thinking, wow, nobody's going to take that job because the Bengals are cheap. No, I mean, you can argue that the cheap maybe allowing Andrew Whitworth to walk and, and maybe Marvin lost that battle and, and all of that. But no, it, it has nothing to do with it. Is a, it is a, the job will pay fine. And, and the roster is, as you mentioned, it's pretty darn good if you're coming into coach's team. Right. And, and another part of this is, you know, oh, guy, guys don't want to deal with Mike Brown. Okay. Mike Brown isn't going to be the person who's dealt with for too much Too longer, much longer, but. <laughs> It's you still have to deal with him in the short term, right? You have to deal with him in the short term, but this isn't a Dan Snyder situation where you've got a guy who's going to be around for a significant amount of time in terms of his leadership of the team. I think that there is a plan in place for succession 
with Katie where the, for all intents and purposes, they could get in a room and say, hey, here's the deal. Mike's, Mike's still on the talent evaluation side. He's still doing that kind of thing. But we are going to have a system in place whenever he decides to hand over the keys where we're, we're going to re- really kind of revamp this front office and we want you to be a part of that. That then turns into an, more, more of an attractive thing for a coach, a more of a buy the groceries, Bill Parcells type of thing, than it would be a negative where everyone's, everyone's just anticipating when you do sort of the pros and cons of this job that the ownership group is a con. And just because of the history that Mike Brown has. But again, I think that, that could very well change. And I think that Dave Lapham said, and we've talked about it, is this going to be Mike's last decision or Katie's first? Well, whichever one it is, we're getting to a point where but there's a regime change. I guess I'm not sure I trust any of them in the decision-making process. That I guess that's the part that bothers me the most. I think what I trust is that— I think Marvin Lewis deserves—the one thing he deserves is he's, he's the guy that changed the culture here. He's the oh, guy yeah. that, that uh, if fans could understand the things that he did to, to get change done um, and at least put this team on, some, on, on a fast track to winning— Look, you can play the trump card on me every time of zero playoff wins. I cannot, I cannot out-trump you when you play that right. trump card on me. But I can give you a lot of positives that he did for the organization in 15 years. Seven playoff appearances in 15 seasons. Nothing to sneeze at when in the first 35 years. You know how many playoffs they made? So, is it Seven. The same? Yeah. same number. So guy did a lot of good things. You can play the trump card on me. I cannot win that battle. Um, and when he leaves... Do I feel the culture stays the same, or does it revert back? And that would be a that would be a bit of a fear. It's I'm not sure grass is always greener. And look, I'm one that right. doesn't want Marvin Lewis back. Right. I think it is time for a change. Right. To to a lesser extent, is I this is the, the example I always throw out there is Shanahan in Denver. He won two Super Bowls right. there, but it got to a point where it was just time. It was just time, and it doesn't have to be. This doesn't have to be the type of thing where. You know, Marvin leaves town and people are throwing coffee cups at his windshield. There should be an appreciation uh, absolutely. for what he has done. There should be some of that. Has he fallen short? There's no question. Nobody's saying that he hasn't fallen short. And, and you can't. And your fan base is to the point where it's not accepting him coming back either. I mean, it's it's just not. You're so far down in season ticket sales. There's an apathy now from a fan base. Uh, there's a negativity now from a fan base that you you can't allow it to go on another year. You just cannot. The other part of it is is that let's say that Kimo von Olhoffen doesn't fall into Carson's knee. Let's say that, that that's a playoff victory. Would that have satiated this fan base? No. It would have always built. Okay? Yeah, until you won a and, Super Bowl. And, and, and sure. Marvin Lewis and everyone else in the NFL is coaching in the era of Bill Belichick and, to a lesser extent, the Steelers. Right. But you've got a team that's won five Super Bowls in the AFC and could e- have easily, very easily won seven Absolutely. if it wasn't for a Mario Manningham and David Tyree right. catch in two Super Bowls. So there, the 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 end of the road for Marvin in this in this time in the AFC was going to happen one way or the other. Should he have won a playoff game? Yeah, I think the Charger game. Yeah, that's is probably the one that that people look back at and say that was incredible. Yeah, you can in the Steeler game. Yes, correct. I mean, those were the two because you had the Steelers. Steeler game was one right. period in the story. Not right. not the Kimo von Olhoffen, but obviously the one from a couple years ago. Right, but I I, I just think you know the. The fan base still would want Marvin to leave if he had playoff victories. 
because it would be, oh, he can win one, but that's it. No, he's correct. one and done. A- right. He's a- one and done. Absolutely. So the narrative shifts from he can't win one to he's one and done, and they still call for his head. As long as that dude's up there in New England, whoever comes in here is going to have a hard time figuring out how to go to a Super Bowl in the AFC. No doubt about it. Let's look back to, to Sunday's game for just a minute. I don't want to touch on a lot of it, but there was a couple of interesting things There's to come out. There's a lot of other things we could touch on. Um, the, the fact of, of the offensive line change out of necessity where Clint Bowling had to play left tackle and then Christian Westerman, who'd never played an NFL game, got to start at left guard. Then he rotated each quarter with, with Alex Redman, who had gotten a cameo early in the year and was a disaster up in Cleveland. But but really, the line played really, really, really well. Um, I know some people are, are wondering, I know Lap wondered aloud, of, why haven't they not played? And I, I couldn't disagree with them more. I mean, Clint Bowling was fine at guard and Trey Hopkins is fine at guard. Look, this sometimes out of necessity, you kind of luck into things. And yeah. sometimes in this league, good things can happen for a week. Right. All right, I need to see it. If, if Look, if, it, if that's the same line this week, and it probably will be because I don't think Cedric Obey is going to play with the shoulder issue. He didn't, didn't practice Wednesday. Probably not going to practice Thursday, and if he doesn't, then he's not going to play. So you're probably going to have the same exact offensive line. Um, can Clint Bowling do that against an elite defense? Can Christian Westman do that against an elite defense, which Baltimore is evolving into? You do that a second straight week, then okay. Then then. I'm not going to blame the coaching staff for not doing this earlier because Clint Bowling hasn't played tackle basically since college. You Christian Westerman didn't earn his way onto the field. The dude was inactive every week for two seasons. Trust me, if he'd have shown them something in practice, dude would have played. Um, so I, I get why they didn't, but you put together two good weeks like this, then yeah. suddenly you go into next year going, maybe Clint can play some tackle and maybe we are okay at guard. And yeah, you still need a plug and play. You still need to... Another addition to that offensive line or two, either through the draft or through free agency, whatever. But at least so you start through to the s- draft. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> but, but, but yeah, and it's got to be a plug and play guy, probably too. But you've at least now you've created a little bit of depth, and at least you take a step into the offseason answering, at least starting to answer some of the questions and some of the issues you had during the course of this year, which was that offensive line. I can see both sides of it. I think there was a point in time in this in this season earlier than this past week where they said where they should have said to themselves this can't get any worse. And maybe you do activate Westerman earlier and maybe you do, you know, rotate Redmond and move Bowling. The other part of it is we we're not having a lot of things go right. The 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 one thing that is going right is bowling at his position. Right. So how much and do that's we the want part, to shift that, that around? That's a big part for me. And there's two. Do you camps. want to take the good and not know? Right. And then not know at two spots, or would you rather right. stay with the one good and try to fix the one spot? And I think that's what they'd hoped. And honestly, I thought Cedric Obey as the year went on started to play okay. He wasn't a disaster. Okay. But I, I do think if you have one good and four bad. Then why not see if you can if you can parlay that good and, and get somebody else in there? I don't know. You, you can you can have your stance on it. Other people can have their stance on it. Well, but I think and, people. And are I don't quick, think I think people wrong. are quick to point the finger. And go, why didn't they do this? Early? It's one game, folks. Right. Stuff like this happens in the league. A quarterback comes off right. the bench and torches it. A wide receiver goes eight for one hundred and five, and you never hear from him again. It happens. I need the whole part of professional sports is simply: can you do this week to week to week to week to week? Look, it was great to see what they did in that week. At least it wasn't a disaster. At least it was a step in the right direction. Let me see it against Baltimore, and let me see it you know, moving forward if that works. If it doesn't work, then all it was was a one-week blip on the radar. Good for you. I will say that that D- Detroit and Baltimore will not be playing out the string. Correct, and that was, that was the positive, too, is at least you were playing against a group that had something to play for. It wasn't... 
a September 23rd Reds game when you are right. got your lineup facing, you know, your pitcher's facing a triple-A lineup or vice versa. You're facing a triple-A pitcher, and suddenly it looks like, wow, these guys can really hit. Eh, you really can't. You're playing triple-A guy. No, this was a team that had had a lot on the line to play for last Sunday. And, and, I and will, so does obviously Bolton. And I will say, I don't know that, that this newfound formation on the offensive line can be good enough against Baltimore this Sunday to warrant leaving it alone this offseason. Oh I no 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 you're not no no you, right. you need some guys. You, you need, need some guys. You need quite a few. And you you know you do have a way back again and, and guys okay. do guys well but guys do mature at offensive line at, at different speeds, different paces. In fact there's there's a lot of guys in the league. Look at some guys you look and go, I think I didn't do anything for you know didn't do anything for four years. Holy cow, where'd he come? There's there's always a few guys like that. I don't know if he's that guy. But I do know on, I do know we got a bunch better. of guys to do that. Correct. No, again, you need some new parts. I'm not telling you you don't. You absolutely the thing you got you have now at least is some depth. When really this season started, you had one extra lineman that could play, and that was Andre Smith. And then when Jake Fisher got hurt, guess what you had? You had nothing. Right. Now, granted, now finally Westerman gets to play, Redmond gets to play, and you saw something. Um, so that's a good. So you go into next year with at least some level of depth, which you didn't have during the court when the, when the year started. I guess my thought would be is how how many get out of jail free cards does does Cedric Abwehi have in his back? But again, pocket? he was playing better. I agree I don't know if it's a get out of jail free card. I think it's the fact that the guy was playing better. But you're still is he great? I don't think he's great yet. But you're still saying that he needs that he can make this jump that you see other guys make. He might. He might not. He might. But but you, you need more than him to correct. make that jump to have a good but, offensive but now, line. Here's what you got. If if you believe Cedric's your left tackle next year, and you go in with him as a left tackle and Bowling as a left guard, and and you probably need to find something else at right tackle. How about center? Um, I'm, I'm you still extend I, Bodine. I don't know if I I don't. I don't know well, if he's I up, extend Bodine. Yeah, but when was he drafted? Thirteen or fourteen? I think he's up. Yeah, he might be up. It, it's close. Um, okay, so do you pay him? Okay, but, but the point is, I, I guess here's the other part to that. You, you got to find something better. There's, there's one of those you got to find somebody to replace him. Who is that guy? I, I mean, is there that guy in the draft? I'm not sure who that guy is, but I, I just don't know. I mean, I, I just think. So they drafted in 14, 14, 15, 16. Yeah, so he is up. Okay. It's a, it's a, the, the question becomes, who's going to replace him? The other question is, does this guy deserve to get the money that we owe him? I, I, I don't know what, you, what you're going to end up having to pay him. You may only have to pay him X number of dollars. It's right within your ballpark, in your wheelhouse. Okay. So you sign him for a team-friendly deal, and you keep him at center. Yeah, for right now. I mean, yeah, for right now, I, I unless you there's something on the market that you definitely can go get and you feel is better, or there's something in the draft that can be a plug-and-play guy. He was that guy coming out as a rookie. Well, and that's the other thing is that the Bengals, and, and I alluded to it earlier, they're not a team that's going to go out, and I don't know what centers are out there. But, you know, and J.C. Treader was gettable last year for the Browns. I don't know what his metrics are this year. Alex Mack right. signed right. a huge free agent deal when he went to Atlanta from Cleveland. I don't know who's out there, but... I don't know necessarily that the Bengals are going to be in the market for whoever is out there. No, that's exactly. So I think Russell Bodine is back yeah. for whatever, for a, a song or whatever they end up paying him. But again, th- and maybe this offensive to- line need, cannot look the exact same that it did 
coming into this year. I don't think it can either. I don't think it will. But I think you've at least found some potential answers if issues arise quickly next year. You don't have to sit back and wait 8, 9, 10, 11 games or till injuries force you to move this guy to that spot and put that guy at this spot. I think that's the one positive you get out of last week and hopefully you get out of the Baltimore week as okay, well. Okay, so let, let's put it this way. Going into, this, going into the NFL draft – where do you think the Bengals in the first three rounds? Oh, with, without a doubt. No, when I say it has to be whatever that position is, whether you choose a center or a guard or a tackle, it has to be a guy that you can draft and play right away. So first or second round, Correct. They've, got to, they've got to spend that. No, don't forget, Bodine was, what, a fourth or fifth round pick, and they plugged and yeah. played him right away on two playoff. Whether you liked him or not, right. he was a starting center on two playoff teams. And they really liked him. I think, what, they said that the Bengals had only traded up how yes, many Yes, correct. Times not he, very many. He was one guy on they him. traded up to get. So they liked him. I, I don't know that watching him play this year, if, if they should necessarily like him as much as, as they do, I'm not saying that he can't make a jump or, well, or improve. And, and here's the other part. I mean, the guy's coached here a long, long time, and he's had some yeah. successful groups, and he's had some unsuccessful groups. And maybe that new coach, it's time for a new offensive line coach. The, you know, Paul Alexander has survived some coaching changes over the years. Um, he's a coach he survived all Lewis, the coaching. Yeah, yeah. He's a coach that Marvin Lewis inherited. You know, maybe it's a time for a change there, too. Do you think uh, – okay, so let's, let's branch off on this. I don't even know where this conversation started. I'm sure it started with Detroit, which was a great win. Um, if they promote from within, if they if they promote Simmons or Gunther, who stays intact on this on this coaching staff? I'd have to look at contracts, and I don't know all okay. of them off the top of my head. I think that's a big who, part. Who of would it. be inclined to come back? I think Jim Haslett probably would. Okay, because um, I think Paul had some input Alexander. there. I don't think he does. I, I think I think if if Gunther or Simmons were hired, I think. The whole offensive staff, maybe other than James Urban, would get swept out. That's just an opinion. By their, by them yes. wanting to leave, or by no, the coach I, saying, I think see by you. the coach saying, see you. Okay. Um, so you think the only way that Paul Alexander stays is if they bring in a coach from outside of the system, or even yes, then? yes. Okay, that's my opinion. Okay. And I don't even know if he survives that. I, it may be a case of it's just time for all of them. Whoever right. contracts are up, see you later. Okay. What would be your opinion on that? Of what they do? Of what, what do you think, what, what do you think would be the most advantageous uh, direction for this team to go? Well, I think what you would do if you're looking to appease the fan base is you're going outside for an offensive mind. That's what you're doing. Is that the prudent one? I don't know. I, I, do, I do think Darren Simmons will be a head coach at some level, college or pro, sooner rather than later, but he also has never been a head coach. Paul Gunther has been a head coach. He was a head coach at a small college. Um, his cousin's Jay Wright. That's right. So he's got some national championship lineage there. So, um, and I think Paul, I think Paul would be a really, really, really good head coach. I do, and and, and that's a personal opinion as much as anything else because I like him personally. I also think he's a really good coach. And talking to players, it seems like they really play for him. Um, you know, you can look at that defensive team. I mean, they're they're aside from the front four, they've been on fumes for five or right. six weeks. And, yeah, Mitch Trubisky torched them. And, yes, Case Keenum torched them to some degree. But um, they've, they've actually battled despite some real, real issues there. And last week put together a heck of an effort. So, um, and, and, you know, if you don't take Marvin's word on Paul Gunther, you take Zimmer's word. Correct. Correct. And, and look at the season he's having up correct. there. So I think, I think there are some people that would vouch for him that I would trust. I just don't know if you can sell that to your fan base. And, and again, I'm not telling you that that needs to be the basis of every decision you make. But 
you've got season ticket holders holding on by a thread right okay, now. But you let can me ask see you it. This. I'm not even talking about Get, what was in the stand Sunday. I'm name, talking about as the season went along. Name me the last decision Mike Brown made with the fan base in mind. Um, I think when he hired Marvin Lewis, it was with the fan base in mind. I think that was going outside for so somebody. So 15 years ago, he correct. thought about the fans. I, I really believe that. I think that, that that was a point in time where they had to go somewhere outside of the comfort zone. Because before right. that... They knew Dick LeBeau. Right, right, right. Before that, there was a, there was a past relationship with the Shula family, um, right. and Dave was on staff. Uh, Forrest Gregg was 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 it was a was a Paul Brown decision. Sam Weiss was a Paul Brown decision, but Sam was kind of in the family. So, um, you know, and the coaches that came after Paul Brown, Bill Johnson was handpicked by Paul Brown, and then Homer Rice kind of was an outlier that um, you know somehow, to his credit, apparently came in, wowed him in an interview, was in, was a. Initially an interim, came through two bad years. He was not a bad football coach. They just didn't have very much talent. But really, for the most part, it has been somebody they have known or been extremely familiar with. Mike or Marvin Lewis really wasn't. So that decision went outside, and I think that was done with the fan base. I I, I can recall one of the last Dick but LeBeau the, games. But the w- decisions that he's made with the fan base and mine are few and far between. Correct. That's correct. So there's no real inclination to think that he's going to do it this time, given the track record of decisions that he's made. did it last time, and the fan base came back around. Okay. They were dead, man. I want to say it was the last home game Dick LeBeau coached. I covered it. was against New Orleans. It was at least one of the last few home games. Um, in fact, Jim Hazlitt was the head coach in New Orleans then, for goodness sakes. And the, there couldn't have been 30,000 people in the stands, and it came to a point of Bengals fans that had enough. Right? There wasn't going to be a coaching change made because Dick LeBeau's team was terrible, and he was it was it was over with. But he had to make some kind of decision that, that rallied the fan base. And that decision did. And Marvin, to his credit, had pretty good success that first year going 8-8, eight and eight, beating an undefeated Kansas City team. And that right. kind of rallied the troops. Right. Within three years or in the playoffs, that rallied the troops even more. And, yeah, it's been a roller coaster ride since. But fans, over the last couple of years, since that playoff loss to Pittsburgh, you can see it slow as the losses mount. And the, the, the dismay is there. Slowly but surely, fans are saying, I'm not going to games. Yeah. And you better make a decision with your pocketbook. Did eighteen? Were we over or under eighteen? Sunday. I think it was over, barely. Okay, barely. It didn't look. We we did pick a section, some of us, and we counted heads in that section. We put a dollar pool together, and there was like eight dollars okay. on the line. This is not two, the degenerate two, gambling two, portion two, of the show. Two hundred and fifty-six seats, and we counted forty-four. So there you go. Yeah, there, there's no question that that. And, and again, it was a good section too. It wasn't like some cheapy section up and way above. It was a. Midfield, really good section. That's all I'm going right. to say. Um, 44 out of 256. The, the, over, the overarching thing that, that we're talking about here is what if, if Mike Brown knows that he needs to go outside of the organization to win the fans back, is that going to carry the day in terms of the decision that he makes if Marvin Lewis leaves? That's a great question. and I, I We don't know. No, but correct. And, and that, the, the other part to this is, I'm not so sure there's a guy out there you go, man, that guy's going to be a hot candidate. I mean, honestly, you've seen – there's a bunch of jobs open. What names are getting banned about other than John Gruden going to Tampa Bay? Give me, give me a name that people go, wow, that guy's going to get got a chance. Nobody knows who these people no, are. No, I don't think anybody – I don't think anybody does. I don't think anybody is, is looking around. But I, I think mean, as it, much as you hear <clears> the Jay Gruden possibility back here, does it make right. you go, wow, Jay Gruden, the guy who's done great things? Wait a minute, he hasn't really done great things. Well, I think that they should be – I think the fan base should be higher on Jay Gruden than it sounds like people are. 
in my opinion. I think what's he Jay, done? Well, but I think I like Jay, Jay Gruden, but what's he done? But Jay Gruden may be the sweet spot of outside of the organization and somebody that and that, an offensive mind. That I think Mike that's the other knows. part. I think they would. I think an offensive coach would be something that and would I ease. and I think that he. I think that he deserves a little more credit than than people are giving him. Eh. I think he does, but again, at this time last year, if you, you know what, if, if, if you want to throw Jay, and I'm not telling you wrong, you want to throw Jay Green at me, I go, you know what, just keep Marvin Lewis. Okay, Marvin's track record's better, right, wrong, or different. It's a longer track record, but it's better. But but we're going back on the the whole idea that some, that a change needs to be made. I, I agreed. I, I'm just. And this so goes back change to the, doesn't need to be made. Change if for that change sake, right? Change Jay for Green. change. Yeah, change for change sake. That's the thing. I I don't think any of us. There's not a. If there was a name or two out there, this would be such a, okay, a positive story. I think so many fans and even media members are going, really, what are you going to do? And what's really going to, what's really going to wow somebody? There's nothing that's going to. Marvin Lewis, believe it or not, was a pretty wow hire. He really was. Yeah. Well, and he had that, that flirtation with Tampa Bay. Right. And he, there, was, there was a growing. Marvin Lewis, after they won the Super Bowl, and granted, then he goes to Washington, they don't have a lot of success right. with Steve Spurrier when he was the defensive corner. When they won the Super Bowl, he was a hot name at that point. And it right. was a hot name for a couple of three years. And, and finally, there, there was one of the hot names. And there was an 11th hour thing with Tampa Bay, if I remember correctly, where he was, where they had the contract written up and he was going to go there. And potentially, who knows? Tom Coughlin had a chance to come here. I mean, he did a couple interviews or whatever. So he was, you know, a big name when they got him. What I'll say is, is that at this time last year, if we sat here and said, hey, who's the hot name? We'd probably say Kyle Shanahan. But do we say Sean McVay? No. We don't. No. So, <clears throat> there, and, and look at what, you know, the, the Rams obviously have been fantastic this year. They won their first division title since 2003. So uh, that's where the due diligence comes in and you get guys in the room and you see, you, you, you cultivate that guy that we don't necessarily know about is pat Shermer the hot name no is mcdaniels the hot name no he's a hot name because he's on a staff that's got a chance to win a super bowl and right. he's one of, but he's had a chance but to i think he I wow you i think that the uh does have ohio roots but i think the story's out on on patriots assistance yeah no i agree so, I, the narrative's not very it's good charlie weiss or romeo cornell right. or bill o'brien or eric mangini i mean i think the the story's out on on that system and, and that system being good. Is Todd Haley the answer? No. No, Todd Haley's got really good personnel, and he and Ben Roethlisberger have fought for four years, and <laughs> I, I, maybe Ben's won that, that battle more times than not. I don't know. Yeah, I, I'm just saying just because we can't readily come up with the hot name doesn't mean that there isn't one out there if you if you beat the bushes and, and, find, right, right. and find a McVay, the next McVay. Yeah, I just don't know what's going to make fans go, wow. And that and and then maybe nothing makes them go wow until that coach proves himself within a couple of years. Right. I think the fans' initial response. You sure as hell isn't gonna make you go wow. He, no. But I did hear something interesting what going back to um, the whole AJ McCarron situation. And I wouldn't dig it up if this if this didn't intrigue me. I think it was Tom Reed who writes for the Athletic or or Zach Jackson, one of those two guys up in Cleveland, theorized that. Maybe it was Hugh, knowing that he was coming back to Cincinnati, that tried to force that trade. Maybe he said, you know what? I know Marvin's leaving. I know I can go back there. Why don't I stack the deck and get a second and third round pick? If I tell Haslam, hey, AJ's my guy, and he makes the push for it, and then I walk away. It's an interesting theory. I don't know if I'd buy it. I don't well, know. Hughes, I, Hughes done that before. Yeah, I, yeah, I know, with the Carson Palmer deal. I, 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 don't, I, I, yeah, I don't know. I 
I think he wants to. I, I think he would want to succeed where he's at first because I don't. I, I don't think there's a guarantee he would get hired by the Bengals if, he, if even if he gets punted from up there. But at the time, at the time they were over. Hugh, Hugh and Sashi didn't get. A, didn't I mean his, their relationship was I'll, the I'll worst kept secret I think, in Berea. I think Sashi Brown's the one that. He's the one that screwed that trade up on purpose. But I think he screwed it up because he didn't want to give up the picks. Yeah, correct. Which right. I don't think he should. I don't think yeah. a second. I don't th- necessarily think he should have. But if, if an, he, an interesting theory to think about theory, that Hugh was thinking a couple if, steps ahead. If 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 Hugh did if Hugh did do that, he's banking on getting his job, and I wouldn't I wouldn't take that to the bank if I was him. Time will tell, I suppose. <laughs> Good luck selling a fan base on a one and thirty-one head coach. Whether and I like, I do. I, from a media, I'd love him back here, and I think he is a good football coach. I think he's in a crappy situation. I think you can put a lot of coaches up in up in Cleveland over the last few years, and they would have. I think Bill, Bill Belichick did bomb out in Cleveland for goodness sakes many many years ago. It's just a bad situation, but you ain't selling that to this fan base. Good luck with that. You're just not. What's an easier sell, Marvin back or Hugh in? Marvin back is an easier sell than Hugh Jackson Correct. back. Absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. I don't think either one of them are easy sells I talked about. So it'll be an interesting few weeks. We'll see what happens. Uh, yeah. on, come Monday, uh, he's got a press conference scheduled for noon. It's a regular uh, game after press conference. We'll see if anything evolves that day or if it comes, something comes out Tuesday or if it drags on till his contract expires, I believe, on January 31st. And maybe that's how long it takes. We will find out. That will be nutty. All right, very quickly, let's look at the, the, the Ravens game. I mean, there's not a lot of storylines from the Bengals' perspective other than I want to see if this offensive line can do things in back-to-back weeks. Right. Um, I do want to touch on one more thing back from the Detroit game, and it's been kind of something that I don't think has been talked about enough, is the more you watch William Jackson play, mm. he isn't just a good corner. He is, he's got a chance to be a complete shutdown corner to the point where the Bengals like to play guys on the right or left. They don't chase receivers. So when an Antonio Brown lines up on the on the left side and a William Jackson wouldn't normally go to the other side to, to cover him. Right. They like to go left and right um, and then have a guy that's normally a slot guy. I think he is getting to the point where honestly next year you find the best receiver on the other team and wherever he lines up, slot, out, in, left, right, backfield, that he he's got him. And everybody else, you match up your defense accordingly. I'd be shocked he's if they didn't that, do that. I would be too. I'd be disappointed if they didn't do that because he is really you know, there's occasionally you look at him, looks like he's beaten a couple of steps deep right, and suddenly he's got catch up speed, knocks it away. Um and, and for the most part, people just don't throw at him. They they they, they almost have decided guy's pretty good. I ain't throwing in his direction. That's a good thing to have, and I think you start to build a defense around that to some degree. You know, it, it was funny when, when John Ross was drafted and everyone said, hey, John, the two fastest guys in Cincinnati, John Ross and Billy Hamilton, should race. William Jackson III yeah. is, is really and he's fast. Just, and he's so and long, and he speed. just he jams people. You can't get off jams with him. Right. He's got those long arms, and plus those long arms help him occasionally where maybe it looks like he's beat a step. Long arm reaches out, bats one away. Um, he's got good instincts. He's not exactly the greatest tackler. He's not as good a tackler as Darko as Denard is. But, man, tell you what, you found yourself a real shutdown corner. Um, you've got some pieces to build around for sure on that defense. Yeah, I think he's he's done a fantastic job this year. And we mentioned the the he different position, different person. But you, you would hope that him missing a year and then coming back and having the year he's had this year bodes well for John Ross. Yes, exactly. Potentially, if he can get exactly. healthy and, and do the things that – that you know the Bengals were sold on him doing, but there's no question that that he should be covering Antonio Brown twice next year. Correct. There's no question that he should be covering whoever. I mean, whoever is on their schedule, he needs to be on that number one receiver. And and I mean, let's not forget the fact that that Aaron Rodgers 
had thrown one pick six yeah. in his entire career. He jumped it and went. And, and you know, there's there's something to be said for being at the right place at the right time. But when a guy's got a track record like Aaron Rodgers does, that that, that was impressive. And, and that that's probably Aaron Rodgers that looking at the ah, There's the rookie. I'm going to get him. Yeah, well, right. guess what? He got you. Right. He baited you. So, fantastic. And and there, it is worth mentioning about Gio Bernard in that game. Yeah, he and, was. Well, and I, I got the question a couple times on Twitter. Well, why, why, why don't they give him more snaps? And why doesn't he start? It's, look, in short doses, he's really, really good. And, he, yeah, he got 30 touches on Sunday, 23 carries, 7 catches, had 170 yards from scrimmage. Yeah, he's capable of doing that. The right. problem is the durability factor. You can't give him 30 touches a game. He's a 12 to 15 touch a game guy. I do think he was very underused early in the year when they tried the three-headed monster. I thought he was kind of the odd man out and actually right. was doing some really good things in the limited touches he got. But don't he's not a featured bag. They tried that back in 2014, and he got beat up, and that's why Jeremy Hill emerged um, because Gio was beat up. He's just not capable physically of doing that. But, yes, in limited touch roles, he's really good, and he still makes plays. And it is amazing to see these. he's done this – Really, less than a year from having his knee shredded right. and, and put back together. And I think again. it came out while we were while we're doing. This he won right the Ed Block Courage Award. Ed Block yeah. Award, and it, it it was kind of mystifying, especially since they extended him. That there was sort of an even split between Jeremy yeah. Hill and and that early in the year, and I think Marvin and the offensive staff were looking at more of a split with Joe Mixon finally back out of concussion protocol. He gets hurt again right away, and he he answered the bell. Can that be Geo going forward? No, well, that's I the funny part. When you look at going into next year, and I don't want to jump too far ahead because we got a couple more podcasts to do, especially when the coaching change comes along. You know, offensively, if. offensively, you know, you've got your running back situation set. You have Mixon, Bernard, and honestly, I think Brian Hill's a good third or Trey Carson. So you got your running back situation set. You're pretty well set at wide receiver. You need to get some more out of Tyler Boyd, and you need John Ross to be what you drafted John Ross to be. Pretty well set there. Um, you could probably use drafting another tight end to make it a third three-headed monster because you're not going to re-sign Tyler Eifert. He's going to walk. Um, and then you need to make a, a, a fix or two, not five, but a fixer tool on that offensive line. You've got a lot of a lot of pretty good parts coming back on that offense. Not in that order. That's not the priority. No, correct. But yeah, correct. No, I I agree. We go back. We we continue to go back to. There's a lot in the cupboard for whoever right. coaches his team next year. No There's a lot in the cupboard. All right, quickly, final score for Baltimore. I'm not even going to preview the game. I just want to score and watch. Uh, I don't know. Well, I'm asking you, so you have to know. No, I. <laughs> I, I think what kind uh, of answers I don't know. No, I just I, I think there's a lot that I could see. Sort of, you know the the. Would, old, I, would you uh, close your eyes? Close, just close your eyes. Shut okay. up. Close your eyes. Close your eyes. Just I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you right now. What score pops in your head? Seventeen, thirteen Bengals. Oh my! Oh my lord! Let me use my best Charlie Coles. Oh my lord! <laughs> Sir, where are you from? Hey, this this has all the makings of that old. You're from Cincinnati. That has. And you're picking the Bengals. That has all the makings of when Earl Bruce. Baltimore was, is the big blue. <laughs> big purple. Um, this has all the makings where those guys wore the headbands for Earl Bruce on his last game. Oh, for heaven's sakes! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm going back. I'm going back with the same score. I picked the Lions. I'll go 27-10 Baltimore. I, I just think I think injuries I don't know. are still there. Blind back in Corza Zoo. I mean. You know they're they're missing guys. Nah, I'm, I'm go. I'll go twenty seven. The linebacking the a zoo is way more entertaining than what this well, linebacking core is right yeah, now. And the pro- have it, you heard of Fiona? Well, and, and the, yeah, unfortunately, yes. I have. <laughs> um, and, and unfortunately, and, and I will tell you, you will end up playing more base defense against Baltimore than you did against Detroit because Detroit's three wide a lot of times. It did. It actually helped the Bengals a little bit because it allowed them. To, to play nickel um, when they were down linebackers, you didn't have to play three linebackers. You got to play three linebackers on Sunday. Pick them out of the hat. Have a good time with Brandon Bell, Hardy Nickerson, and Jordan Evans. That'll be a good group. Well, I mean, is Evans even? 
he practiced. I mean, so he's at least out of protocol. That did not look Both, good. No, it did not. It, actually, it's, I, he was the one I thought for sure would be out, and I didn't know about Vontez. Vontez, I don't think, will play. So, yeah, you're right. You, you have a chance to not have Vontez. You certainly don't have Kevin Minner because he's on IR. You don't have Nick Vigil because he's on IR. You don't know how much you're going to get out of Jordan Evans. You Vinny, are, Vinny's back. Vinny's there. Vinny, Vinny's there. Great. And I like Vinny. Vinny's good in a limited role. And, uh, and an interception. Yes, he did because he threw it right to him. That, well, he caught it. He did catch it. I'll give him credit for Had that. Had an interception against Philip Rivers. Sealed the game a few years ago. Yes, yes he did. That well, wasn't, on a t- on wasn't the playoff game, though. No. But, you know. He did have a big interception <laughs> in that game. I'll go 27-10 Baltimore. For that. All, right. All right. Time for our three-team teaser of the week. We both were losers last week. I do have three victories on the year. This is a seven-point three-team teaser a week ago. You've officially you, won. You've shut me out. I have shut you out. Well, we can go into the playoffs, maybe, because we'll have a couple more podcasts thanks okay. to, the, to the Marvin and the coaching news. Um, your loser last week, you actually had a winner with the Rams. A pick them at Tennessee, and they did win outright. San Francisco getting 11.5 against Jacksonville. They won outright by 11. And I warned you, you, you went the Cleveland route. That's the Northeast Ohio boy in you. Um, and they let you down, as they've let so many people down. Getting 13.5 against the Woeful Bears. You felt really good about that, didn't you? I did. I did feel really good about that. And I feel if if people have taken – the two teamers that I've thrown out in the last few weeks. Yeah, well, we're not doing two teamers. You're three teamers. I, I, more I, money involved. I you know. Get more, if, more back. I know. I know. If uh, you know, if worms had slingshots, birds would sleep in. But I just think, it. it, it if you don't take Cleveland, and how about the, how about the Bears? Were, you know, can you can you explain that the, the, the Bears have five wins on the year, right? And and three of them are against four. They, they, they actually four. They won the AFC, AFC North. Four against the AFC North. Now yeah. Cleveland was playing the long game to get the Bears clear of the Texans because they have the Texans pick. Correct. So that was really the play there. For the ah, it's a smart move on their part. <laughs> smart move on their part. Uh, I had last week. I had Philadelphia laying two against Oakland. How about that game? If you did bet it outright, where the line hovered around oh. nine and a half points. Some might have gotten it at nine. Some might have laid the ten. And the extra point after the meaningless touchdown on the last play of the game that was scored defensively probably had a lot of people sweating it both ways. Not to mention the fantasy football implications. Good I heard point, a lot of people had... I didn't think about it because you had Philly's defense, right? And Philly gets a scoop and score at the end with Derek Barnett. Or Jake Elliott. There were a lot of people that uh, ended up needing that a extra point. point. Wow. Wow. <laughs> there were a lot of I weird think the things. right move was to take the knee. I think it's senseless that the NFL makes people try the extra point after a meaningless touchdown that when the game is hit zero 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 and the point doesn't matter. Yeah, I just was it, I, was I it, just thought that you had to. I thought I didn't think that in, Oh you have to, but you can take a knee, I guess. I mean you yeah. can, that's the play you ran. You technically I think have to run the play. Um, I, I like the team was it, I don't know, it was a long time now, ten years ago, where one double teams went to the locker room, they made them come back out, the offense came back out, defense didn't come back out, and they still took the knee. I thought that was yeah, great. yeah, I, that that game, fantasy wise, Yeesh. on the line, and think about if you took if you took Philly plus nine and a half with a minute Lane, to go, playing nine and a half, you mean? Oh, I'm sorry, no, if you took Oakland. Oh, you're going, you're going nine spot. and a half. A minute left in the game's you're, tied. You're even like, worst case scenario, goes overtime. I only lose by three or six. <laughs> nope. That would have been a nightmare. So I had that winner. I had San Francisco like you did, but I, like an idiot, took the Dallas Cowboys where Dan Bailey, thanks to him missing two short field goals, lose by nine. I could have gotten yeah. a push there, but a push would have counted as a loss. The, the, uh, the only solace you have is that Earl Thomas really wants to be on the Cowboys. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. That's what, wow. at least what he said. Right, I'm going to go first this week. My three-team seven-point teaser, I'm going to take Detroit as a pick against Green Bay. Uh, Green Bay is just woeful without Aaron Rodgers. Hell, they were woeful with Aaron Rodgers. Um, I'm going to take Pittsburgh. Lang- this line is weird to me. Pittsburgh's laying 11 just straight up 
Actually, I'm only laying four. I put myself down to five. Pittsburgh then will be laying only four at home against Cleveland. I think Pittsburgh just boat races them. Uh, well, the only thing I can think of is... Will Hugh Jackson jump in Lake Erie? Uh, well, he said that he's going to. No, he, no, he said if they went 1-15 again, he would. Oh, <laughs> I, think, I think he came out yesterday and said, uh, my, my word is my bond, something that Right, if they went 1-15. He said if we go 1-15 <laughs> again. I think the implication was if they do as bad or worse this uh, year. I didn't hear this that. 1-15 again. Okay. The only thing I think... That that might bite you, and I don't think it will. But I only the, the only thing I think is if they're scoreboard watching and they see that. What, I, but how does thing, it play I, out I, for them? I think I think they need a win, and they need New England to lose to uh, to the Jets. I think they play at the same time. Right. So if they're if they look up and they see that you know New England's up yeah, thirty four to three, maybe. But I think you're also going to put the pedal of the metal in the first half yourself if you're Pittsburgh. Just. Because oh of, no! I'm talking right. strictly backdoor. Yeah, here. okay. I'm talking strictly like I, backdoor. I feel you get backdoor on the eleven pointer. I don't think I'm getting backdoor on the four pointer. But it, right. But if you go up twenty eight nothing at half and you see the Patriots are Dude, up thirty five to Cleveland, three, if you played eleven on six, wouldn't score twenty eight points and a half. Deshaun Kaiser would airmail twenty different <laughs> receivers in the second half. You'd still be safe. Nine red zone turnovers. Yeah, dreadful. That's, that's He's not, just that's terrible. Not, that's not great. All right, and my other one, I'll take Seattle at home, laying three to Arizona. They showed some fight last week against Dallas. They still have something to play for, so uh, Arizona's just terrible. So I'll take uh, Seattle laying the three. So I got yeah, Detroit, they, Pittsburgh, Seattle, my three team teaser of the week. That's a for you. must win for Seattle, I think. They've, they've still got a chance, but they, yes, need, they, do. they need some, some help. things to happen. Uh, I'm going to go Indy, plus three, hosting Houston. And that game, believe it or not, has Bengals implications. You know how? Because well, I know if, it's got. If, if Indy wins, uh-huh. they will finish third in the in the uh, AFC South. The Bengals will finish third. Obviously, they've already locked oh, up third. Right. So this game determines. Believe it or not, if Houston wins, they finish third in the in the AFC South. If Indy wins, they finish third, and the Bengals go to the third place finisher. So they either go to Indy or Houston, depending on who right. wins that game. And I think if Indy wins, the Browns will have the first and third. I believe pick, that's correct. Yes, I believe that is correct. Which means that they would have two picks in the top three. How about that? And four picks in the top thirty-four. Not bad. Not bad. <laughs> They'll mess that up. Yes, they will. So, Indy plus three. Uh, Buffalo's still got something to play for, um, I think, right? Yes. They're yeah, still in it. They're still in um, it. So, I'll take uh, Buffalo plus four at Miami. Jay Cutler has either been really good or absolutely dreadful this year. And I think if if my math serves that we're, we're in line for a dreadful week. So, <laughs> Buffalo still has a chance. Um, and then I, I wanted to kind of get your thoughts on this. KC is starting Pat Mahomes at Denver. They're getting three, so I'm teasing it to ten. I'm teasing KC plus ten. Oh, you're going off the watching Pat Mahomes against the Bengals in Denver. the preseason. What is the point of Pat Mahomes starting? Why are you introducing a quarterback controversy heading into the playoffs? No, I don't think you would. I, I think people understand what this would be. I mean, and Alex if this guy of, goes in and he, lights up Denver, Denver's terrible. That's my point. If this guy goes in and lights up Denver, I, I well, I think twofold here. I think I think you look at if Alex Smith maybe struggles in a playoff game, and and you need to pull the trigger and pull it to Pat Mahomes. Maybe if you see something in this game, you do that quicker rather sooner rather than later. I just Alex Smith may be one of the most disrespected quarterbacks yeah. in NFL history, but he also for really no but good I, but reason. I he can be bad at times. He can just be. Really, but I think I saw maybe something. That's what, maybe that's what this is about. Is I, look in a playoff game, we're down fourteen three, and he's two for nine, and he's held the ball three times for sacks. I got to pull the trigger. I got to. I got to make the change. The, the knock or maybe on him, no more than just making sure the guy doesn't get hurt. The knock on him is that he's not. He's a dink and dunker. He doesn't have a live arm. He can't get the ball down the field. But I, I'm pretty sure that I saw a stat that said he has completed. 
He has the best completion percentage this year of passes over 20 yards. That have been physically thrown over 20 yards, yes. Not right. Because Tyreek Hill can take a three-yard pass and make it a Correct, yeah, yard. physically thrown yeah. 20 yards. So I, I, don't, I don't necessarily understand the hate. And I don't understand how this guy hasn't secured. I mean, they've got a they've got a thousand yard running back. They've got a quarterback that's thrown for three thousand yards. They've got a thousand yard receiver and a thousand yard tight end. I think it was the point of just of, out of thin air. They started the year so great and then hit that just awful, awful lull. Probably should have lost that game at the Giants. That, that you know actually did lose the game. Did they lose that? I think so. Yeah, they ended up. They didn't end up losing because that's yeah. right. Yeah, they did end up losing when they actually had a chance to to maybe right. win it. The guy made the great catch for for the Giants and, and set up the game winning field goal. Uh, I think that all those things you're like, okay, this is the Alex Smith we all come to know and love. Um, but no, I mean he's kind of riding this ship. I, I think the point of it is is like Andy Reid's track record's pretty damn good. And I'm going I'm going to take take whatever he does and and tip my cap to it because he's got some reasoning behind it. He has done he has done a very a very good job where he's been another underappreciated really head coach. But I'm taking them plus ten. At Denver. I like all three of those all games. Right, very good. All right, what do we got coming up on Local 12? Uh, Local 12, we've got Sports Authority getting ready for uh, the uh, conference season and for UC and Xavier. Rick Broering and Chad Brendel, who join you on, on the podcast, will be uh, frequent guests. Hopefully Rick Broering wears his big Balder brand shirt. Uh, I don't really know. I'm hoping he what does. What to say about that? I'll give him a high five instead of a fist bump this week. It's kind of like the kid in, in school that makes fun of the band, but then you go in his car and he's got all the CDs and you're like, well, wait a second. Like, do you actually like this band? Do you actually like Big He, likes, he likes pink. <laughs> Man, that pink, she can't sing, can she? Man, she's terrible. You go in the car and it's raise your glass, you know? <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm starting to worry that... that Rick is sort of losing himself in the big baller. Yes, he is. Brand, He's just gone knee deep into that, for goodness sake. Brand sakes. expansion. What else you got on Local 12? So I think uh, once football season's over, once things start calming down, I'll probably bring back the uh, Wednesday wraparound column. Cool. Uh, do some different things online, have more of a, a presence there. Um, Bengals Nation that we taped uh, with Carl Lawson, who was fantastic his final week. Had a great crowd last night, so the final Bengals Nation of the season will air this Saturday. And just sort of transitioning into college hoops and then then not too far off for spring training as well. That's true. All right. Very good. Appreciate it very much. Uh, We'll be back next week to probably talk about uh, where the coaching direction is going for the Bengals or maybe talk about Marvin Lewis being back. Yeah, I don't think so. For, For Jed Demusi, I'm Richard Skinner. Thanks for being with us on this edition of the Skinny Podcast, the Bengals edition.